I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans 10, 8b through 17. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of the faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Greek and Jew The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have never believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, but not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. of us have family stories, which are remembered and retold with great enjoyment whenever the family gets together around the Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner table, or for that matter, any occasion that brings brothers and sisters, moms and dads, grandparents together for a time of relaxation and fun. 
Our scripture reading today reminded me of one of my family stories, which, by the way, is often told at my expense. You see, I had this thing about my sister's feet. For some reason, when we were growing up, I thought that Cheryl's feet were about the ugliest feet I had ever seen. And of course, as children do, I continually teased her about her feet. And she continually found ways to touch me with her bare toes. One summer, our family was traveling out to Oregon, pulling one of those old camper trailers. You know the kind, a wooden box, basically, on two wheels. And you opened it up from the center, and you laid out two wooden platforms uh, that became your beds. And next, you put a frame um, around and inserted it into the metal holders that were on the edge of the camper. And after that, you secured the canvas tent over the top of the frame. Well, my parents slept on one side of the plat- on one platform, and my sister and I on the other side with my brother um, in that narrow space on the floor between the two. It wasn't particularly luxurious or comfortable, but it served its purpose. It may have been Um, a summer, but the night was a bit chilly, and Cheryl decided to run her cold and ugly feet on my legs. And no doubt you can imagine how I responded. It certainly wasn't a quiet word of protest that broke the silence of our tent. Now, every member of the family remembers this a bit differently. But since I'm telling the story, you get my version. My mother, whose feet were also often cold, and who was already rubbing them on dad's legs for warmth, instructed me to lie still and let Cheryl warm her feet. It was dark, and I couldn't see Cheryl's face, but I'm sure she wore a triumphant expression. Because on that night, She won the battle of the feet. There are some cultures that also have an aversion to feet. The country of Myanmar, which I've had the privilege of visiting, is one of them. Formerly called Burma, Myanmar is located in Asia and is bordered by Bangladesh and India, China, Laos, and Thailand. In Myanmar, feet are believed to be the most humble, even humiliating part of your body. Touching someone with your foot, even sitting with the soles of your feet facing someone, is an insult. So public attention of any kind to one's feet would be very rude. But in Romans, chapter 10, Paul refers to feet that are beautiful. What is it that makes feet beautiful? I doubt Paul was referring to nicely shaped, clean, pedicured feet touched off with toenail polish. Let me tell you a story of a man who had beautiful feet. His name was Adoniram Judson. And he was part 
of the national faith story of Christian people of Myanmar. It was a cold and misty morning in February of 1812 when Judson set sail from Boston Harbor with his young wife, Anne. They were among the very first missionaries sent to Asia from missions organizations in the United States, and they were bound for Burma. The ocean crossing to India took them four months. It was another year before they finally arrived in Rangoon, and which was their intended destination. For the next three years, the Judsons studied the Burmese language with a tutor for 12 hours every day. But it would be another year beyond that before Judson felt confident enough in his language ability to begin uh, evangelizing publicly. And he did this at great personal risk. His first convert was a man named Mong Na, and he was 35 years old. He was a timber worker from the hill tribes. Judson had a natural ability with languages, and he held the conviction that the Burmese people needed to have the Bible in their own language. And so he began translating the New Testament into Burmese from its original Greek. In 1823, his 10th anniversary in Burma was celebrated with the completion of the first draft of the New Testament into Burmese. The next year, in 1824, the Anglo-Burmese War broke out, and it lasted two years. And this was a huge interruption to missionary work in the country. Judson was not British, but because he spoke English, he was suspected of being a spy. And so he was arrested, and for the better part of 17 months, he was held prisoner in a small village just outside Mandalay. Conditions were unbelievably bad, with little food, no clean water, no medical care. It was only because of the risks his wife took to care for him that he even survived. At last, 24 years after he arrived in Burma, Judson's translation of the entire Bible into Burmese was printed and published. But in 1850, Judson began struggling with severe lung disease, and so a doctor prescribed a sea voyage for his health. At the age of 61, while on board a ship in the Bay of Bengal, Adoniram Judson died. Only once in 37 years of missionary service to the people of Burma did Justin Judson return to his home in the United States. At the time of his death, Judson had been instrumental in establishing 100 congregations of the church. There were 8,000 believers. He had translated the Bible into Burmese and compiled the first Burmese English dictionary. Judson lived as he preached. He's often quoted as saying, the motto of every missionary, whether preacher or printer or schoolmaster, ought to be devoted for life. Well, I've never seen Adoniram Judson in person, let alone his feet. But there is one thing I know beyond doubt. He had very beautiful feet. In verse 1 of Romans chapter 10, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, 
my heart's desire and prayer for God, to God for them, is that they may be saved. Who is it that Paul desires to be saved? In this instance, he is speaking of the Jews, the people God chose to begin his redemptive work in the world. Paul's heart desire is that they would be saved. He knows from personal experience, for he is one of them, that they have a zeal for God, and they just don't understand that righteousness can't be earned. It is a gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. Paul goes on in those early verses of chapter 10 to summarize the basic message he has already in earlier chapters written in great detail about. Righteousness comes not from the law, but from faith. And this is true, not just for the Jews, but for Gentiles as well. Verse 13 declares, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now with this said, Paul makes his next major point in the letter to the Romans. And he makes that point by asking a series of questions. Verse 14 and 15 read, But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If we start with verse 15 and go backward, we can more easily summarize the point of these questions. First, those who are sent proclaim the message of faith in Jesus. Second, Those who hear the proclamation believe it. And third, those who believe the proclamation call on the name of the Lord and are saved. Now Paul then states his conclusion in verse 17. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the word of Christ. The point is, of course, if we do not hear the gospel message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, how will we know how best to respond to God? Paul is convinced that hearing the gospel message awakens the life of faith in Jesus. And Paul is clear. The supernatural work of the Holy Spirit goes before and alongside all our human efforts in evangelism. But he does identify two other essential ingredients. The sent must proclaim and the listeners must hear. Let's think about these two ingredients for just a moment. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Adoniram Judson had beautiful feet. He was sent by God to carry the gospel message to the people of Burma 200 years ago. The Christian church in Myanmar exists today in part because of his obedient response to God's call and his faithful proclamation of the gospel. My sister Cheryl had beautiful feet. 
She spent more than 32 years of faithful service to the people of Japan. She had many interests, but her passion was proclaiming the good news. She did that in countless ways, through writing, through preaching, through discipling, through the very witness of her life. She proclaimed the good news to those who had never heard. She proclaimed the good news to those who had heard but were struggling to figure it out. She proclaimed the good news to, to me when I was discouraged and weary and did not know where or how to turn. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The Apostle Paul also had beautiful feet. He was on a trip to Damascus for the purpose of persecuting the Christians when he had an extraordinary encounter with the risen Christ. At that moment, he discovered that he was sent for a different purpose. God in Christ had commissioned him for a different mission. He was sent to proclaim the gospel message to the Gentiles. And you know as well as I do how very serious he was about it. He was convinced that if Christ is not proclaimed, faith as a response to God's gift in Christ cannot arise. And so, in spite of tremendous struggle along the way, Paul spent the remainder of his life traveling to distant places proclaiming the risen Christ. However, it is not just the special, the few who are sent. You and I, we are the sent. From the moment that we were made right with God through faith in Jesus, the moment we confessed with our lips and believed in our heart that Jesus was risen from the dead and that he is Lord, we became the sent ones. Now post it on the door of your house so you can see it and remember whenever you go out, I am one of the sent. Now put it on the back of a t-shirt, a scent one. Stick it to the door of your refrigerator. You are one of the scent. You know, we fail in our part of God's redemptive purposes for all human beings if we do not tell others what God has done for them in Christ. Now this is a little scary, isn't it? I don't have the vision or the stamina that the Apostle Paul and Adoniram Judson had. Cheryl's passion for proclaiming the gospel puts me to shame. I don't have the faith and the drive that any of them had. I cannot do what they did. Well, you know what? God doesn't ask us to be Paul or Adoniram Judson. God doesn't ask us to be Cheryl Barton or any of the countless celebrated men and women of faith. God sends us out to be our uniquely gifted selves. God sends us out to simply share what God has done for us in Jesus. And God goes with us every step of the way. We can't wait for someone else. We are in this unique place at this unique time. We are the sent ones. And if we don't proclaim the gospel message, how will anyone ever hear? Praise God. There are a lot of beautiful feet in this sanctuary. 
But there is a second necessary ingredient for faith to awaken in someone's heart. People must hear. Unless someone hears what is being said, there is not much point in speaking, is there? I don't mean that they must hear the sound of our voices. Sound without understanding is just noise. I mean, people must really hear. This kind of hearing is born of understanding. It's a sobering thing to think that our relationship with God may depend somehow upon how carefully we listen to God and we pay attention to what God is saying. Paul spent a lot of time in his letter to the Romans talking about how the Jews simply missed out because they didn't listen carefully enough to the prophets. They didn't listen carefully enough to Jesus. When I was in high school, there was a commercial on television for a financial investment firm called E.F. Hutton. I'm sure many of you remember it. In the commercial, people were just going about their business of life at work, at school, or at play, and then the announcer said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. And at that moment, all these working, studying, playing people froze with their heads tilted, listening intently to what was about to be said. This is the kind of hearing that respects the speaker and the message. This is the kind of hearing that is required for good understanding. We must pay attention. In truth, however, it is not the speaker that brings forth understanding of the gospel message. It is not the words themselves that clarify the message. It's not the setting, for good hearing can happen at any time and in any place. Understanding of the gospel message comes to the one whose heart is receptive to God's spirit. We will not hear if we do not want to hear. And we will not hear if we are not ready to hear. This is the very reason we practice getting ready in godly play. Getting ready takes practice. And so we practice with the children. We practice getting ready to enter the sacred space. We practice getting ready to hear one of God's stories. We practice getting ready to respond to what God is saying to us. This getting ready is true, whether we are hearing the gospel message for the first time or whether we have been walking with Christ for many years. God wants us to grow in our understanding of the life, in, in the life of faith in Jesus. God wants us to continually deepen our life in Christ. And the question is, how much do we want what God wants? How much do we want to be shaped and molded and conformed into the image of Christ? We will never grow spiritually unless we sharpen our listening ear to the voice of God's Spirit speaking into our lives. Now, when beautiful feet join forces with ears that really hear, something quite astounding happens. The life of faith in Jesus is awakened. It's what you see in the face of a child when encouragement is given. 
It's what happens to a rosebud when the dry soil is given water to drink. It can be seen in the face of a scientist who stumbles on a new discovery. It's what happened to blind Bartimaeus when Jesus opened his eyes. A new and deeper life of faith is like seeing for the first time. It's like water when we're thirsty. It's that joy in realizing something important we've never realized before. It's the feeling we get when we know at last that intimate connection with God. But it's more than just feelings and discoveries. Three times in verses 9 through 11, or 9 through 13 in chapter 10, Paul uses the word saved. The result of faith in Jesus is salvation. That is the purpose of all this proclaiming and hearing. Salvation. We are saved for a reconciled relationship with God. And we are saved for reconciliation with one another. We're saved for intimate fellowship with God. We're saved in order that we might become the people we were created to be. And all this, not just for a day or a year or even a lifetime, but for all eternity. We have just concluded Stewardship Month and have made a financial pledge to this congregation because we believe that God has called and sent particular people to particular cultures and ministry centers in Anderson and around the world for the purpose of sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. But know this. We, who are followers of Jesus, are also sent. We, too, have an obligation to share the good news. Faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the word of Christ proclaimed by faithful folk like us. You don't need a pedicure to have beautiful feet. You don't need a Q-tip to clean out your ears in order to hear. You need a heart that's receptive to the voice of God's Spirit And you need a passion for telling others what God has done for you through Christ. And you know, even a receptive heart and a passion for telling others others the good news is itself a gift of God. And God longs to give you this gift. All you have to do is ask. And out of God's great love and grace, God will give this gift to you. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for this congregation of people whose feet are some of the most beautiful in all the world. I pray that you will encourage the heart of each one of us today as we seek to be faithful sharers of the good news of your Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. May we be people filled with joy and hope. May we be people of humility and compassion. May we be courageous and obedient May we live in the manner and style of Jesus 
so that others will come to know this salvation. It is in his name and in the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.